Hey folks, this is Ricky Warwick from Black Star Riders, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, welcome to yet another edition of Focus on Metal, sitting here in the studio, of course, with me. <laughs> that would be Richie, of course. Mm-hmm. And a uh, great show for you this week as uh, we are talking with none other than... Ricky Warwick. And uh, I know you, my friend, have been waiting a long time to talk to Ricky Warwick, so... Yeah, well, I, was, I saw Ricky in 91, and he was in the Almighty. Uh, Krang loved that band, um, and it just never worked out for him, and... I, I kind of lost touch with his music in the mid nineties. I, I know he soldiered on with the Almighty. They brought out some albums, and but um, he really came back on my on my radar when he went out with uh, Tin Lizzy as the frontman, and um, of course that caused a lot of uh, controversy mm. at the time, understandably so. Yeah. Um, but of course, Tin Lizzy had already done the the John Sykes. Right version yeah, with, yeah. and I saw them with Sykes, Aldridge, Gorham. I think Darren Wharton was with him. Uh, I think Marco was on bass, uh-huh. and I think people felt that you know Ricky was the front man. It was a little bit different, at least with Sykes. Sykes had played in the band. He, yeah. he recorded on an album. Yeah, um, but it still wasn't the same because I saw them. Of course, it wasn't. Bill with uh, with uh, Kings X, and. Uh, it just, yeah, it just, I don't know. I mean, I love John Sykes and all that. It just wasn't the same. It just, I don't know, it well, just didn't have that same feel. I did, I mean, I like the fact that it was a, a little bit heavier, a little bit more aggressive with what he was doing with them. But, you know, when you, you hear some of the classic stuff, you you want to hear the the melody line, the way Phil used to do it and all of that. And, and it just, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't the same. I felt that the Sykes version was more of a, a an American rock version of Lizzie than the the old the old style seventies yeah, that's a fair Lizzie. assessment yeah um that you know if you listen to thunder and lightning it it doesn't sound like any of the the previous Lizzie albums sure because of John's playing yeah. so when you have John playing and playing leads and and guitar and mm. singing yeah it's going to sound a little bit like a version of for want of a better word Blue Murder yeah with yeah. Scott Gorham playing you know because <laughs> you had you have the drummer behind him like Carmine like Tommy Aldridge yeah. And um, you, you had Marco, and they were they were very good. It was great to hear the songs played, especially to see, you know, Scott Scott play the old stuff. It was like he recorded all of it. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, that that stopped for whatever reason. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure what Couldn't it was. Couldn't get him out of the house. Well, it could have been. <laughs> I think maybe Sykes got a little bit disillusioned with him. Maybe Gorham did as well. It was yeah. going nowhere. I think they released one live album mm. and. Um, and that was it. And then, of course, they reformed with Ricky Warwick as the singer. And it was, if I remember correctly, Brian Downey was on the drums. It yep. was Darren Wharton on keys. Yep. It was Scott, Marco, and Vivian Campbell mm-hmm. in the beginning. Yep. And, of course, it was great for Vivian. Like, Vivian, fellow Irishman. Well, I mean, up, we talked to him about up, it. Yeah. It was like dream come grew true. Up, dream come true. Yeah. Grew up on Lizzie. I think one of the things he said was, I don't care what solo I play, just I want to play Don't Believe a Word because uh-huh. that had this effect on me when I was a kid. And, um, of course, Ricky, Ricky, I thought, did a, a fine job doing it. And um, I saw him play as Tin, as tin Lizzie in, in Lowell. It was on the Priest Epitaph tour. And they opened with... It was Black Label, and then it was it was Priest, mm-hmm. and their ver- the version of Lizzie with Ricky absolutely blew me away, and they, they definitely got the '70s sound off to a T better than the Sykes version, and I think a lot of that had to do with Brian Downey. Brian Downey is just incredible, mm-hmm. the feel he has and the swing. Yeah, I think that swing was missing when they had Tommy Aldridge in. That Tommy was more of a power drummer, and yeah. you know. Brian Downey was more of a jazzy type of drummer. Sure. And I think Rick, Ricky as well, Ricky was more seeped in that, in, in the music, because he was from Ireland, he grew up with all of that. He, um, he, you know, he, he, try, he did tr- he tried to mimic the, 
the phrases phrases mm-hmm. that Lynn had had in his vocals, and and that that pit, that still pisses off a lot of people that they see him as a as a Phil Lynn clone, but. That's the way he sings. Mm-hmm. That's that's his style of singing. If you look back at the Almighty albums from Blood, Fire and Love and Power Tripping and all that, and you listen to his vocals, he, that's the way he sounds. He, he can't sound any different than what he does. So yeah. to me, that was an, a great choice from uh, it, probably Scott Gorham that, that chose him. That was a fantastic choice of, uh, of singer. Sure. And eventually, of course, that went down so well that... It started talking about doing a new record mm-hmm. as Tin Lizzy, and that fucking set people oh, off. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, and um, including a couple of friends of mine who were still <laughs> bitter, at, you know, about it. But I, that, to me, that was an, an, a non runner from the get go. They shouldn't have even gone there. And they wrote, they wrote the record as, you know, as a Tin Lizzy record, that yeah. all hell breaks loose. And if you listen to it, you can definitely hear that it was written yeah. with the Tin Lizzy. Vain definitely in mind, yeah. And and at the last minute they changed the name, and it was the best thing I think that they ever did, um, because th- I don't think Black Star Writers would have had three records. I think they would have had one record as Tin Lizzy, and then the backlash would have been so bad, yeah, that they would have been done. Probably right. Yeah, yeah. And um, of course, the first record came out. People said, "Yeah, Tin Lizzy knockoff. Ricky Warwick sounds like Phil Lynott, which he, you know, he does. That's the way he sounds, but." If you look at that album and then the Killer Instinct, we had Jimmy on for the Killer Instinct. We yeah. talked to him about that. Yeah. And then, of course, they've got the, the the new one, Heavy Fire, that's out now. And if you put the first record on, and I mentioned this to Ricky, if you put the first one on and the third one on, a lot of the third one, it sounds like a completely different band, a band that's more focused, definitely more sure of what their sound is. You don't have this, is it a Lizzie album? Is it not a Lizzie album? All this bullshit. Yeah. Um, and... I just think the new album is fantastic, and it, it was very nice to talk to Ricky because you know he, he he definitely has gotten his share of flack. But there is a lot of people out there that really love what that band is doing now, and mm-hmm. I think you know it's great to see Scott Gorham still playing. Yeah, you, you have a guy like that sixty, probably in his mid sixties now, and you know he's still recording albums, he's still going out and touring. And if this wasn't happening now, he'd be like. Sykes, he'd probably be holed up somewhere. He wouldn't be playing that much. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great vehicle for him yeah. to go out and, and, and play. And he he had a massive influence on, on you know, a lot, of, a lot of guitar players because he had that twin guitar yeah. sound. And That's right. He was half of that. Yeah. So you have a lot of these bands out there now that owe a huge debt to him. And the fact that he can still go out there and play and write and everything is, yeah. is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that he's out there playing. It's, it's, it's cool that he's still doing it and... Uh yeah, the albums are great. Yeah, and they seem to have a, a settled lineup. Uh-huh. Um, I think this is the second lineup that has like Jimmy. Jimmy's been on them all, and Marco left after the first one. They got Robbie Crane, mm-hmm. Ricky, and Scott, and and Damon. And you know, a lot of people say you know it's, it's going to sound like Lizzie because it has Scott in it, but he doesn't actually write that much. Right, da- Ricky and, and Damon actually do a lot of the writing. Right, and then I mean, you get you think the other way too, right? Is you know how many. How many bands came out of Ireland that are got as as large as as Lizzie, right? So how how familiar are you with hearing Irish lead singers? Mm, not very, not uh, not, not very many, right? No. So uh, other than Bono, <laughs> but uh, you know, so of course you're always going to have that comparison, right? I mean, it's almost like it's like baked in there, no matter what you do. Yeah, but when you kind of you, you look at it the other way, then when Gorham got the band back together. He had to get someone like Lizzie as a front, who sounded like Phil as a front man. He couldn't go way off. He'd be fucking hammered if he went way off on it. Well, yeah, but I think it's also. I mean, he's he's got a certain style. He's 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 baked into this thing, and and it's been going right through all that he did with Lizzie to have that that twin guitar sound and a certain a certain temperament and in all of this. So it's like, why not get somebody that can do that? I mean, you don't want to change what you're going to do out of nowhere. So just get somebody to fit it. That that's true. Um, it'll be interesting to see now what to do moving forward. Uh, they're, they're going out, uh, Black Star Riders. They're, they're, like, I think a lot of their bread and butter is now in the UK and Europe. Yeah. Um, like a lot of bands, they're having a tough. It's a tough nut to crack the market over here now. Yeah. If you don't have a name and you're starting from the ground up, you know it's very very difficult. Like you ask Alterbridge, mm-hmm. Alterbridge play arenas in Europe. They're right. playing. They're playing the House of Blues here in front yep. of a thousand people. Yeah. Like it's chalk and cheese to them and. I know they just did a couple of Lizzie shows with, um, you know, they've got 
Tom Hamilton yeah. playing bass who hasn't played with anybody. That's right. Since ever since he played with Aerosmith and jumped at the chance and playing with Lizzie. And of course Scott Travis who they knew from the Epitaph tour. Like it's it's funny, but all these musicians when they go out and play as Lizzie, the minute they're asked, they all seem to go, Yep, love to do it. That band had a, just had a massive influence on them. Yeah. Yeah, the influence is all over the place. I mean, that was one of the things with, uh, you know, talking to Matt Sinner. And, you know, he's a massive, massive Thin Lizzy fan. Is he? Oh, huge. Okay. Absolutely. I'm sure if, if we, when we were sitting in the bar with him, if I turned around and got, hey, Matt, what do you think? Get some Thin Lizzy on. He would have, like, flipped out. Uh, he's massive. And if you actually go and listen to any of the Sinner albums, knowing that, you'll pick up Thin Lizzy stuff all over the place, yeah. just all over the it, it's inter- place. It's interesting. I mean, never mind the fact that when they when they re-released that their first album and they they threw on "Don't Believe a Word." I mean, it's kind of like there's a big clue there, and it's a great version. But yeah, it's all over the place. It, it, if you really know it and you start to listen, you're like, oh yeah, there it is, there it is again, there it is. It's like it's everywhere in the Sinner music. It's interesting to bring up Sinner, like uh, Matt German guy. I'm I'm listening to the Creator album in the car at the moment, Gods of Violence, and I can't remember the name of the song. It's the seventh song on the record, and it's the trash metal version of Emerald. Mm. The, you just listen to it, and it's, it's got Lizzie written all over it. Huh. Um, it's just an, it's a really good song as well. But you know the, the Lizzie thing, I I don't think they'll be doing that many shows going forward. I think it's going to be the odd time now. Yeah, I that's, think pretty, Black, that's pretty much what, what Ricky was saying. Yeah, too, I, I think so. that's the way to go. I think, you know, the Lizzie thing probably should be uh, a festival thing or a cruise ship thing, you know, because you're going to confuse people. If you start going out as both, and right. you've, you've got Scott, Ricky and Damon mm-hmm. uh, uh, going out with, as Lizzie and then going out as Black Star Riders, you kind of got to put one on the, you know, you kind of put one to bed a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that Black Star Riders is the focus now. And I think it should be because... You know, they're a great band. They've, they've done three albums in like four or five years and they're all really good. They're getting their own identity. They seem, you know, they, they're starting to get a stronger following. Yeah. Um, you know, they can put a whole set list together now of just Black Star Rider stuff. I think that the, the Lizzie stuff is eventually, I think, going to go away. It might be like, it'll be like one song and let me be like, they're paranoid. They might play one Lizzie song as an yeah. encore just to please yeah. some of the people, but it's its own entity. Yeah. Um, the album's just come out. It's, you know, it's getting very good reviews. Yeah. yeah. And um, long may it continue. Yeah. So of course, you know, you bring up Paranoid and, and so do you think they're really done? Yes, yeah, Do you think I do. that's it? I think they're done. Yeah. I'm more interested now to find out uh, where Ozzy goes. Um, is he going to get on the solo career trip again? And who's he going to get as a guitar player? Yeah, that's interesting because um, I know that... Uh, uh, Gus had made some some comments recently when people were asking about about Ozzy and stuff that and it sounded like he is uh, no longer in that camp for whatever reason. I could be wrong, but well, that seemed to, his comments seemed to indicate that that um, he he wasn't going to be doing that. Well, if I like that was a nice payday for Gus, I think. Yeah, it's weird though. I mean, I I, I would have loved to have seen him get more exposure with that gig because he's he's hugely underrated. But he didn't write anything. He came in as a session musician, and all of Ozzy's guitar players have written with him. Yeah. And if you look at the credits for Scream, he didn't write one song on it. Right. And of course, the album, you know, you know, it's pretty divisive. A lot of Ozzy fans, they don't really like his newer stuff. You know, they think that Black Rain was a black label album with Ozzy singing, and even Ozzy has said it himself. Yeah. That it sounded like that. And then he goes in another direction with Ghost G, who to me is more of a traditional metal guitar player. Um, he's very Gus very versatile as a mm-hmm. player yeah. Com- shredder like um, yeah. technically amazing but that album doesn't sound like Black Rain at all and people still got on Ozzy yeah. maybe it was the quality of the songs I don't know rather than the sound of the records but Gus was brought in he was in Farwind you know you, you were thinking that okay that'll raise his profile up a lot yeah. he didn't get a chance to write which kind of pissed me off Yeah, um, because he can write fucking oh, yeah. great songs absolutely and um, he was brought in played his parts, went on the tour. And then Ozzy, that was it with Ozzy. He went and did Black Sabbath. And um, so now you're thinking, is it Zach Wilde again? Yeah. Is, or, you know, is it worth Ozzy at 67 or 68 years of age now going out, sifting through, well, I don't know if he sifts through the tapes, but trying to blood a new guitar hero? Yeah. Is it worth his while doing that? No, now? I think. I mean, I, again, I would. I would have loved to see Gus get the exposure. I think I've always liked his playing. I like everything the Firewinds put out. Um, 
kind of wish Apollo was still singing, but yeah, that's so another story. So do I. Um, but still, you know, I think to what you just said, you know, given where Ozzy is in life and stuff, that I mean, the most sensible thing for him to do is to roll out with Zach. Because if people weren't going to go for Ozzy, they're going to go for Zach. I mean, they're just, that's it. You that's, saw, I mean, you see the hardcore fans that he had when we went up to, uh, what the heck was that? Generation show X. To? Generation X, thank you. Um, right? I mean, that was, he, it was just, I think if anyone had the most fans there that night, it was probably him that were just like hardcore, just like nuts music fans. As opposed to, you know, people that were up there for Tosin. They were up there because of Ingve, of his guitar stuff. Even Ingve though, it was more the the musician crowd. The same thing with Steve Vai, but the hardcore, just day in, day out, just metalhead rocker kind oh, of person. Yeah. Well he's the metal. He's you know the what I most mean? metal guitar player that was on that. They bill. were you know, that's they were there for, for Zach, you know. Yeah, because he came out and the first song he played was um NIB, wasn't yeah. it? He sang it as well. Yeah. So like that that's fucking metal right yeah, there. But I just think if, yeah, I mean, for, for Ozzy, that's probably the makes the most sense is just like roll out with, with Zach. That's if he, that's if Zach wants to do it though. Yeah, I sure he would. Why not? Tour maybe. R- write and record a new record. I don't know about that. He's, but the guy's damn prolific. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, there's not, there's not like six years between BLS albums. It's the guy's writing all the time. What would you prefer, though? Would you prefer Zach to come back and do a record? Or do you actually want him to stop? Do you want him to go out and find a new guitar player and see if he can find one and start again? Uh, as, far as, as far as recorded material from Oz, I don't care. You don't care? I don't care. Uh, just, just like good to see him out on tour kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I, it's that. It's I, always, the, I always like to see... Um, Guys record new music, but I think at this stage of Ozzy's career, like he's pushing seventy, he can go out and do the. He can go I, out this summer. I don't and think do people sheds. care. Like that's the thing is, I don't think people really give a rat's ass if he puts out new stuff or not. That's not what they want to hear. You know what I mean? Even even Black Sabbath putting out thirteen. I mean, how many people? really cared about the album. Of course, you know, there's a nutter like me who buys the whole deluxe set with the vinyl and everything, but... I didn't. <laughs> you did. <laughs> but still, it's like... No one, you know, went to that show to, to hear God is Dead. They all went to, see, to hear Paranoid. You know what I mean? It's... So it, I mean, it doesn't make sense for Ozzy to spend a lot of money in the studio putting out an album if he knows that when he goes out on tour... One, he's probably not going to play a damn thing off of it. And if he does, that's the song everyone goes to the bathroom for. Yeah, true. So what do you think the rest of them are going to do? Do you think Iommi will... Well, I know Iommi's got health problems, but yeah. do you think Tony will just retire? I can't see him retiring. That's the thing. He's just got so many damn riffs in him. I, I just, want him to do something you again know? with Glenn Hughes. That would be cool, yeah. That would, that would be amazing. Because Glenn, be... Glenn can still sing, yeah. and Iommi can still write riffs. Yeah. And even Geezer, I mean, Geezer's, like, he's just a monster bass player. You yeah. know, you just watch him and you I think hear he'll, him and I think, like, I think he'll, uh, I think he'll keep playing all right. Yeah. Um, you never know, like, he might go out with Ozzy. <laughs> you, you just never know. Right. You know, but, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I think Savitar Dawn, it's, um, yeah, it's the end of an era. Uh, you know, pity the old Bill War thing didn't happen, but, yeah. you know, it, yeah. uh, that's the, a lot of people will say that, you know, Savitar's last show was, Five or six years ago when Bill Ward played the last gig with him. Yeah, and that's kind of a, uh, you know, if it was you, despite anything, wouldn't you have just gone and done it? Mm, what, the Birmingham show? Yeah. I mean, if, if I, okay, granted, I'm not Bill Ward, but, you know, sitting where I'm sitting right now, like, that's why people know me, is the drummer of Black Sabbath. This is their last show. It's your last time to play with them. And to me, if I didn't do that, I'd be like regretting it. Like the instant I didn't do it, I would be regretting it. I'm sure he regrets it. Because wouldn't you even, I'd do it freaking free. He has his honor. Like, you, you know, know what he, I mean? He came out in the beginning and he said that they offered him a shitty contract. Right. Yeah. And they said that, you know, the, the rest of the band came out and they talked about his, you know, Bill's health issues. And and granted, like he's he's probably pushing seventy as well. Yeah. And you know, the drummer, the drummers right. always from right. a physical point of view are always, you know, are, always it's the tough one. going. But even uh, not doing the whole show, just like one song, two songs. 
Yeah, but Just, he, you know, he, he did what a lot of musicians never do. Is he came out in public and said, "This is the reason I'm not playing. I was offered a fucking shit contract." Yeah. End of story. Yeah. And I'm not going out as a matter of fucking principle. Yeah. And for him now to just have turned up in Birmingham and gone out and played a couple of songs, to me, you, you, you kind of say, yeah, that's fantastic. And then you look at him as well and say, you fucking coward. You're going back on your word. You come out and you say you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you turn up in Birmingham. And that's another thing. Do you think the other three guys actually wanted him to come out and play? Yeah, I bet they did. You Why think not? so? Yeah. I, I, I don't know about that. I think there's a lot of political bullshit that goes on there, you know, that you never hear about. Um, you know, you look at who the manager is. You know. <laughs> yeah, you, I know. You know, if you piss her off, it's, uh, it's you know, you're out of here. You know, it's, I mean, it's just, it's one thing if, you know, if there's a person who's no longer alive or whatever else. But the fact that you could at least have one song, two songs with the original band as part of that final send off, like. What the fuck? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be honest with you, I thought he was never going to play any of the shows. And I was, you know, yep. just from the point of view of it, like, you listen to Bill, he's pretty blunt. He's mm-hmm. from Birmingham. That's the way the people are there to, to say what they think and how yeah. they feel. And um, I was, I'm actually glad he didn't do it. Hmm. I think it would have been a huge cop out if he did it, that he stuck to his guns and said, no, fuck you. You know, yeah. you, you know, fuck, fuck you, fuck you. You know, you want to, you think, Savage, it's over now. And like, he came out, he was one of the musicians that actually came out when a band recorded a new album without him and said that he listened to it and he, he turned it off. Hmm. Every other musician, have you heard the new album with such and such a singer replacing you? Haven't heard it. They've all fucking heard it. They just won't say it. Yeah. On the record. And he did. He said, I listened to 30 seconds of 13 and I just switched the thing off. It wasn't Sabbath. He came out and said that. It was like, fair fucking juice to you. You know, that's, you, you actually want that. That's a guy, you know, not being politically correct, not burning his bridges, just saying how he, how he felt. I'm in the band. I'm not in the band now. And it's a fucking completely different band. I can't listen to it. Yeah. So for him to actually turn up at the show, same thing. He, there's no way he was going to turn up. Yeah. I'd say he felt a little, I'd say. I think it's a shame. It is, no, I, it's a shame. Don't get me wrong. I think everyone out there, including the other three guys, would lo- would have loved for yeah. Bill to, you know, n- not done the whole tour maybe, but to have turned up at the last couple of shows. I mean, you you, you go back to to Brian Downey, right? Part of the part of the whole thing with Brian, right, is the swing. Part of the whole thing with Bill Ward is the swing. Yeah, the jazz, right? Yeah. It's and that's you you can't put somebody else in there and have that same thing. So to have him show up. And play a song the Bill Ward way. It, everybody else locks into that whole way again. You actually get the essence, the original song again, not powering through with kind of the the modern metal sound that kind of happens with a current drummer. Well, it's just different. By all accounts, Tommy Clefetos was brilliant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's fantastic, and you know, people say you know he did a great job, and Bill Ward wasn't missed. I don't know about that. Now I think that's going a bit too far. Yeah, you know, they were bound to get a fucking shit hot drummer who could right. play in the background with those three guys. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can't fucking play with them three in front of you and, and do it well, yeah. there's something wrong with you with that fucking catalogue. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> it would have been cool to see uh, uh, Vinny Apice play with them. Ooh. Um, Vinny never played with Ozzy, though, did he? No, but he played with the other guys. And they, and they I mean, you heard him play the, the Sabbath songs. It would have been cool. Oh, no, hang on. Oh, hold on. I think Vinny did play some shows. On the Ozfest years ago, but not that many. Um, You'd have to that, remind him about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, actually, that would have been nice because there was a little bit of continuity there. Yeah. Then you could go to Whole Hog and say, you know, they could have got Bobby Rondinelli in who played on uh, Cross Purposes. No, and, no, or, it's not the or, same. Or Eric Singer who played on Eternal Idol or... You know, they could have got any of yeah, these guys. No, but that's... Nah, that's kind of more singular. The thing, know. You know the thing that... That really surprised me is they got Brad Wilk to play on the record and he never did any of the tour and I'm like what the right. fuck did he do wrong? Yeah, <laughs> you know because he's br- he's been brought into the studio to play right. Sabbath material, right? And then they don't bring him out on the tour and I'm like, what? Did, and did, partly brought in because he has the swing that that Bill Ward had. Yeah, now maybe he was doing shows. Were Rage doing shows? No, around then. No, I think you know. <laughs> I think if you're Brad Wilk and they offered you the money to go tour for Sabbath. You'd go, because that's a good paycheck, I'd say. Sure, yeah. But anyway, yeah, we could talk about fucking drummers all night. But Sabbath are done. Yeah. Uh, I think Deep Purple are playing here in August. I think 
there on the outs. Yeah. Um, I think Gillen's, Gillen's 70, 71. Um, I think I'll go see them. I think it's them. They're touring with them. Alice and Cooper. Alice Cooper and, oh fuck, someone else I can't think of. Um, I can't see that selling well though. They're playing Mansfield here is 20,000. I'm like, mm, yeah. Deep Purple. Deep Purple played a theatre in Lynn yeah. about eight months ago. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, somebody else had mentioned that they were coming too and, and uh, I was like, yeah, well, we can we can wait on tickets for that. They're, I think they're, they're, hanging, not they're hanging the farewell tour thing as a, as a cash for people to buy tickets. Yeah. And I don't think people are going to, you know, I don't think it's going to work. Right. Um, I'm, I, I'd probably go to, I've seen him with Morris twice. Fucking incredible. Yeah. And Steve always does a great show and he's happy as fuck the whole time he's doing it. And, yeah. and he's, and that catalog is yeah. stellar, you know, so I'll probably, I'll probably, you know, get a cheap ticket. You know, what'll happen there is what happens with Leopard. Yeah. They, you get a cheap ticket. Yeah. It doesn't sell out. And then they give you free ones to move further down. Yeah. That's what happens when I, when I go see, you know, Leopard. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of draw Cooper's going to have, but I mean, Nita Strauss, she's a shit hot guitarist. So yeah, I can't remember who the opening band is. There's three bands, like three seven, you know, it's one of these like seventies yeah. package kind yeah. of things that it's like Leopard Poison and Tesla, uh-huh. you know, that sort of fucking yeah. deal. But, um, yeah, there's some good shows coming. Um, you know, we've got Dead Angel in a few weeks. Um, what are the other big Maiden, of course, Maiden yep. and Ghost. We're going to see that. Um, you know, I'm sure in the near future you're going to have all the uh, the old rockers will get together and you know with their management and say let's go out again and hopefully people won't remember that we actually went out together three or four years ago again. Yeah. So you know the same fucking boring tours, same fucking boring lineups. Yep. With no 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 fucking <laughs> no brain no brain or tours as I call them. Yeah, you know, bands yeah. don't even have to rehearse any of the material. Let's just go show go on one, one, two, three, four. It's all everything's on fucking autopilot. Yep, same set, same set. Yeah, all that. Stuff. I'm sure Kiss will be out too. Oh, same set, same set. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, of course, you know. Let's move on to something that's different and uh, new. Yes, new, different, even different from their last two albums. So. Uh, you know, as you talk to Ricky, not resting on their laurels, uh, Black Star Riders putting out Heavy Fire. And uh, why don't we roll the conversation that you had with uh, with Ricky Warwick. Oh, you have a good one. Oh, no, they're, they're great, but it's just, you know, when you're doing promo, um, 
you're sort of all over the place, and you, you know, you know, you, you they sometimes forget to remind you, you know, and, and it's like, well, you've got an interview, and then, yes, well, you know, you could have reminded me, you know, you know what I mean? But whatever, it's all good in the end. Yeah, he sent me an email today. He end. was very apologetic, and I said, look, it's not, it's not the end of the world, you know. He said, uh, you know, I said, I'm sure you're. He's, he said he's up to his eyes trying to get all the interviews done. I said, it's no problem at all. It's okay. Yeah, I can see you, man. Yeah. I want to ask you first about Lizzie. Um, you did a co- you did a yeah, Lizzie sure. show a couple of weeks ago. Um, did you have Tom yeah. Hamilton and Scott Travis play on that show? We did. Oh, yeah, they, they, they were both there. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. How did you get Tom, especially, to play with the band? Um, you know, when Scott suggested doing some Lizzie shows, um, you know, he said, "Look, you know, you know, I, I miss, I miss it. You know, I love Blackstar Riders, but I, you know, I'd love to go and get my my thin Lizzie fix. You know, it's forty years since Jailbreak." You know, this is going back to last year, 30 years since, you know, passing a fellow. So he was like, you know, let's just do go out and do a couple of festivals. Let's make it a bit of a celebration. Let's, you know, you know, let's let's make it a big event, you know. So it was suggested because obviously Brian's retired from the road, Brian Downey. And um, so we thought, well, you know, let's see if we can get some special guests into, into play. And obviously, you know, lots of names came up. Lots of few people were asked. It was all down to schedule, you know, because the shows were just one-offs. And then a lot of people that we asked, you know, the bands who ran were, were committed to touring full time and, and being on the road and they couldn't get away for one show. But, um, you know, Tom's name was one of the first ones that came up and we just said, you know, well, let's ask a guy and see, and see what we, see what he says. And, uh, and he came straight back and said, I'm in hundred wow. percent. And, and the sweetest thing about it was that's the first thing Tom's ever done outside of Aerosmith in, in 40 years. He's never played with anybody else. Um, so I think that was quite exciting for him, just just that fact in itself. Um, Scott, we knew because Lizzie had toured with Judas Priest back in 2011 in the States. So we, we knew Scott Travis really well. And and Scott could do all, I think, but one of the shows. Well, Scott did all but one of the shows. And the one he couldn't do, we got Ian Hawkland in from Europe mm-hmm. to play, who's a phenomenal drummer and a big, big Lizzie fan as well, you know, so it was a no-brainer. Yeah. Now, the thing with Tom, the, we've had Marco Mendoza on, and we've had Jimmy DeGrasso mm-hmm. on a couple of times. And one of the things yeah. the two, with the two of them always talked about was they're in rehearsing Lizzie songs and they keep poking Scott. Scott, can we play this? Can we? How does this go? Now, when when Tom and Scott Travis came in, did they do the same thing to Scott? Did they say, "How does this go? Can we play this?" Yeah, um, not so much with Tom. I think Tom was 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 ner- I think he was nervous, which is funny. You know, the, the, the size of Aerosmith are and the amount of records they sold and everything that that man's accomplished in his career, it was quite touching to see how kind of. Nervous he was, so I think he was just happy with, you know, the eighteen or nineteen songs we put in the set to get them done and get them learned. You know, because we all know Phil, Phil's bass playing isn't, you know, it's it's not the easiest thing in the world to to nail. You know, the groove the man had. So he is where he was just you know wanting to get that sort of. But definitely Scott Travis was uh, pushing to play like a suicide and and um, <laughs> I think one one other one other song as well, which we did. You know, so um, yeah, it was coming more from Scott than it was from from Tom. Yeah, there must be songs still, Ricky, that you want to play that you haven't played Lizzie's songs. There must be. There is. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few. Um, I mean, Gotta Give It Up would be uh, would be great. We've never played that. I would love to play that. I'd love to do a, vo- a version of Borderline. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's but it's you know it's Scott's thing, and what we can do is swim. He's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't want to play that anymore. You know, I, but I, you know, we do. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so all you can do is just sort of throw them at Scott, and either say yay or nay. You know. Yeah, yeah. So do you think this year there's going to be any more Lizzie shows or is it just all Black Star Riders now? It's all Black Star Riders, obviously, you know, the, the the big, you know, the album coming out and everything and that's what we're focused on. I mean, that's what we all refer to as the day job. That's the main thing. Yeah. Um, the Lizzie, Lizzie things will just be one-offs now, you know, few and far between. I think, yeah, if there's any more, it'll be 2018. There might be maybe one or two shows. I mean, it's really down to Scott. It's Scott's so it's Scott's thing, you know, and, and I'm always honoured and, and, and humbled and proud to be asked to, to sing. And, and any, anytime Scott's asked, asked me to do it, I'll, I'll be there for him, you know. But, uh, you know, I think the main focus really for me is Black Star Riders, you know. Yeah. Now, let's get a little bit into the album. Um, you put a post up on Facebook the other day about the songwriting for the record that it was around the time your father passed away. And yeah, um, I, yeah. found it was, I found it was really, really a nice nice piece you put together there but thank you now there's, a, there's a couple of things I do want to ask you about it um, you decided to go in with Damon and write because you felt that 
that was the right thing to do, that your father would want you to do that. Um, were you prepared mm-hmm. at all if you actually sat down and you had nothing, that you had writer's block because of everything that was going on? Did, you, did that even cross your mind? No, I mean, and it never does because it's, it's never really been a problem, Touchwood, because I write all the time. You know, I'm, 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 I'm constantly writing. Um, and, you know, what was poignant about that piece was, you know, music and, and writing so therapeutic for me. I always say that, you know, if you want to know the truth about me, read my lyrics. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm really not very good at explaining myself in, converse, you know, in a conversation. Um, so it, it was the one thing that kind of sort of saved me you know I did, I mean, you know my father sort of passed away suddenly and I didn't I didn't really know how to deal with it so to have that to just dive into and, and submerge myself in it was really just a just a complete godsend it really did help me you know rationalize and figure it all out and deal with it and uh, you know if anything um I think it made me even more driven because of that you know my dad is a very uh you know you know he's a typical Ulster man you know he's Belfast man you know you know hardcore you know, just you know, you work hard and you, you, you get dividends and no slacking and, you know, no moaning, no engine, no crying. And like I said, in my piece, you know, the fact that if I turned around to vote, we'll put it on hold till I, you'd have been horrified, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it, 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 it helped in a really morose and really weird way. You know, it, 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 for me personally, it gave me some kind of focus. I think if I'd sat at home, I think if I canceled it and didn't go and write and took the month to, you know, deal with it, and obviously, I had to go back over to to, to Scotland a couple of times. That's where my parents were living. Um, I uh, I think that might have been harder to get back into to start writing, if you know what I mean. If I had to deal deal with that, yeah. whereas I went and and wrote with Damon for a week, and then I went over to Scotland and, and dealt with all the you know all the funeral stuff. Yeah. Then you know, and that's just my way of dealing with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not like I said, I'm not. I'm not great in conversation, so I'm really trying to explain myself, and I think you know, I put sort of everything I've got into into writing, you know. Yeah, the other the other thing I was I was thinking when I was reading it was I was putting myself in Damon's shoes. He's sitting opposite you. You're obviously hurt. <laughs> you're you're hurting, right? And you're playing something, yeah, and yeah. you th- and Damon is thinking to himself. Now, do I tell him that that's crap or not? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's great. That's great. No, that's great. Listen, he would he wouldn't hesitate. I mean, Damon, I've got this understand him and he's my brother from another mother he really is we get on great and but you know we're very honest with each other uh i know you know i'm from you know belfast northern Ireland, james from birmingham alabama very similar backgrounds very similar upbringings very similar morals um and just a very similar outlook in life so i think that's why the chemistry is there when we write and i think you know we do get on so well but definitely you know if somebody's not you know not digging on something it's just to be said and you know i made it quite clear that you know you know look what happens happened. Let's write some songs and, and have a laugh and have some fun, and, and and we did, you know. Yeah. Then do you always go in with a clean slate for every album? You see, like you said, you wrote twenty songs. Do you not bring anything over from from the Killer Instinct or all hell? I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, a few bits and pieces. I mean, there wasn't much left over from Killer Instinct. Usually, what you find with the first album is you've got the bits and pieces left over that you use up on the second album. Yeah. And by the time you get to the third album, you're kind of screwed. Um, <laughs> so the, the, slate, the slate really was clean, but it had been stuff that, you know, we'd been, I mean, we'd literally started writing the minute we walked out of the studio after finishing The Killer Instinct. <laughs>
there was a lot of stuff there. You know, we went over. We also went over to London and got to go and spent a few days with Scott at his place, just going through his, you know, riffs and his ideas. Um, you know, and then and then you know, and, and Robbie Clay brought in a couple of great riffs as well. Yeah. So we had plenty of material. You know, we weren't struggling at all. Um, and I was just writing lyrics seriously. So we were well. I thought I thought we were well covered. Yeah. I thought we had plenty of songs, but our producer disagreed because he thought we were still one short. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so does. Does Scott actually bring in ideas for a song first, or do you present them to him and then he adds to them? What way does that dynamic work? It's 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 both. You know, obviously, what Dave and I work on, we 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 will present to to the guys and go, "This is what we got." And usually, they're they're in a format that's that's practically finished. So it's then a question of the guys going, "We dig this," or "We don't like it," or "We're not sure about that bit," or you know. Whereas Scott and and sort of anybody else contributes, we'll we'll, we'll come in with riffs. I got these riffs and then we'll say, oh, this is great. You know, I'm not too sure about that one, but we'd be like this. And then we'll take it away and we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll turn it into a song, basically. Or we'll use it, maybe we'll use it in one of the songs we've already written. Maybe that's the missing middle eight we were looking for right there, you know? Yeah. And that's usually how it comes about. Yeah. Now, you've worked, this is the second album you've worked with, uh, Nick Raskalinitz. And the first album you did with Kevin Shirley. And um, what's the biggest difference between yeah. the way the two of them produce you? Um, I mean, they're both great on their own, their own right, and they're both very different in, in how they work. Kevin's very much get in, set up, set the mics up, and play the whole thing pretty much live and, and, and record it there and then with the minimum fuss, the minimum overdubs. So you really have to have everything together very tight and, and the songs structured exactly the way that you want them. Um, you know, we didn't, hard, we didn't do any pre-production with Kevin at all. We just basically went and re recreated the demos that we had on the first record and that's that that was great and i think that was great for the first record it certainly captured a vibe and an attitude and we we had demoed those songs up quite well because you know at that point we were using them to, to get a record deal and so we spent you know quite quite a lot of money actually doing some you know very well recorded demos so it was just to re recreate them with kevin which was fine but with nick you know we obviously got the deal and and you know we've just had the acoustic demos on iphones and stuff like that which is how we work because we all live all over the place so it's hard to to get together to rehearse um, ideas up. So a lot more time spent in pre-production, um, a lot more time, you know, going through the songs, breaking them down. Why are you playing this? Why are you singing that melody? That kind of thing. Um, and then again, more time in the studio. I mean, everything pretty much still goes down live. And it's all, nothing's done by machines except a bit of editing, but you know, it's all played. Um, drums go down live, you know, and the bass goes on. So it's more of the layering technique and building the songs up that way and spending a bit more time on overdubs. This is the longest we spent on a record. We spent, God forbid, three weeks on this, which uh, doesn't seem like a long time, but to us, that was a luxury. <laughs> yeah, now, like, you've all worked on tons of albums over the years. Why do you actually need a producer at all at this stage? Why don't you just self-produce it? Um, I think because because of that, um, you know... Um, the fact that, you know, we need a referee. We've all been a band and we all have quite strong opinions, and I think. And, and um, you know, we need to just have somebody in there to guide us and, and, and you know, help really just, just, just a, I'm more of a referee, you know, and somebody with Nick's, with uh, Nick's experience for sonically and, and stuff like that as well, invaluable, you know. Um, you know, I just, I mean, I'm sure we could go in without a producer and just get a, a great engineer I'm sure the end result will be okay, but I mean, Nick's such a genius and his track record's so impressive. Um, I just think we'd be foolish not to use him. He really wanted to work with us. We really wanted to work with him. Um, you know, it's just a match made. Yeah. How, how does he push you in the studio, Ricky, when you're recording? Like, does he know which buttons to press? <laughs> oh, he can, he can push me. All right. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Nick, and I, Nick, Nick and I butt heads quite a lot quite a lot and I, and, I, and I love him for it um, he's saying he certainly knows how to play me I mean you know I don't want a producer that's going to go in and say look lads everything's brilliant you're great and hit record <laughs> what's the point I, you know I want somebody's going to go in and go that's not moving me that's not exciting me that's not good enough you can do better you didn't sing that right you need to sing it again no you know and he's that guy and he gets the you know, he, he works you till you sweat. He gets the absolute best out of you. I mean, it's a great example, the story I tell, that we went in, we played him all the 20 ideas that we had. And he stands there and he goes, yeah, you know, I think four of them are okay. And I still think you're a song short. And it was all I could do to restrain myself from running across the room and sticking <laughs> the head in him, right? 
I think the guys could see how missed I was, you know, because we'd spent, you know, you know, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears writing these songs, and I'm like, you know, what the fuck are you coming in? Oh, swear. You know, what are you coming in here and, you know, laying down the law and, you know, who, who the hell are you, you know? But he got us fired up, you know, and then, you know, we started working on some of the stuff with him, and, you know, you could see he's, he's going, oh, now, now you're starting to get some songs, this is great. So I still think your song's short, and I went, Nick, I mean, I'm not writing any more songs. So I've written, I've written 20 songs here. And I said, I think 15 of, 15 of them are stellar. He's like, nope, no, your song's short. And I, I think you've got another song, blah, blah, blah. So he leaves. And the other guy's leaving. There's steam coming out of my ears at this point. I'm so friggin' angry. <laughs> and I think Damon says to me, do you, want, do, you, do you want to ride back to the hotel? I said, nope, nope, I'm staying here. I said, I'm, I'm pissed off. I'll just stay in the studio. I'll make my own way back to the hotel. So they all leave. And I'm just sitting there. I'm going, you bugger, you know. <laughs> so who do you think you are, you know? And I grabbed the guitar. And I'm just started hitting it and playing it and I just started singing the first thing that came into my head I was so angry and I started singing this song about you know being pushed and within an hour and a half I'd written the whole thing and the song was Letting Go of Me which is the last song mm. on the album Yeah, and I recorded it and I sent him an email and I went there you go you bastard <laughs> you want to you, 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 you know and he didn't reply Right, which even wind me up even more. So he comes in the next day, and I'm still mad. And, and I said, "Did you get that song I sent you?" And he went, "Yeah." I said, "What do you think? It's going on the album." And I went, "You just played me, didn't you?" And he started laughing because he <laughs> knew that you know if he got me riled up, he knew that I would you know you know I'd react. Probably the only way I knew how, which was to pick up the guitar and and write something. And he you know. He played it and it worked, and uh, we, we we got a song out of it. You know, fair play to him, and that's why I love him. He was king of the north, she was queen of the south. Kind of stuck in the middle. There's a lot of it about. The album, Ricky, Heavy Fire. I've had it for about a week now, and uh, I think it's I think it's excellent. I think I, I put on all hell breaks yeah. loose the other day in the car, and then I put this on, uh -huh. and a lot of it sounds like a yeah. completely different band. It's this is more, it's way more aggressive. It's probably about forty yeah. minutes long, ten tracks. Um, yeah. And the, another thing that I noticed about it was. If you put a track like um, Kingdom of the Lost or Soldier's Town, there's really nothing like that on this record at all. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, was that deliberate? Well, we, yeah, it was. Well, it was kind of, we kind of felt, you know, the Kelly thing is very much part of our sound, obviously very much part of my heritage. But we'd done it and we had a Celtic, we had a really great Celtic song um, called Another State of Grace, which Damon and I brought in, which I thought was great, a great sort of big country guitarist and was really good, but it it just, you know, it didn't make the cut, you know, and I think when we sort of sat down and looked at what we had and started trying to put together the, the 10 or 11 songs that would make the record, some of them were great songs, but it just didn't fit in with what the vibe was, if that makes sense, of the other ones that we that we, that we picked. Yeah. So, you know, we decided, we've done it, we've got Kingdom of the Lost, which is anthemic and, and probably, you know, one of our 
the best songs we play live. It was done amazingly, you know. And we've got Soldiers Town again as well, which is another sort of Celtic, um, you know, fish in the air anthem. And we thought, well, you know, let's let's leave it for now, and and just concentrate more on the rock and roll, and and sort of leave the Celtic sort of full on uh, vibe on 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 a track. You know, let's leave it aside for this record. So it was a conscious decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it certainly is a, a very like some of the some of the songs on it. I'm like, like who is it? What's the four tracks? Who tames the tigers? I'm like, you'd never hear who, that. Who rides, the who rides the tigers? You'd never hear that on the debut. I'm thinking, there's no way no. that would be on the debut no. album. Like, it's just, there's probably no. only one ballady song on it, and the rest of the, the yeah. other nine are all rockers. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the first album. Obviously, you know, four or five of those songs were written when we were still thinking about recording under the Thin Lizzy moniker. So they had a certain style and, and flavor to them because we thought they were going to be on a Thin Lizzy album. Then we, you know, sensibly we had to change our heart and decided to change the name. Um, you know, we could relax a little bit. We were still very aware that this was going to be a new band. I mean, we knew we wanted to keep as many of the Thin Lizzy followers as interested as possible to come with us, you know, in this new venture. So we didn't want to, you know, steer too far away from that, as it were. Um, but I think when, when the success of the first album, you know, and, and the, the live shows and everything, and then going into the second record and having even more success with that and seeing it build in, the time we got the third record, we thought, well, you know, we just did what we want here. It doesn't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, see what happens and please ourselves. Um, you know, if you want everybody to like it, but, you know, I think there was, you know, we, we finally got out of that amazing shadow of Thin Lizzy. We just, we, I feel we finally stepped out from under it, you know? Yeah, and I mean that with all due respect, and, and and in the nicest nicest possible way. Yeah, now the the problem you're going to have now, Ricky, is picking the live set now because you've got three Black Star Riders albums to pick from. So what, what gets dropped? The Lizzie songs or the Black Star Riders songs? No, the Lizzie songs get dropped. I mean, we're Black Star Riders. That's the band. You yeah, know, we're not Thin Lizzie. We are Black Star Riders, and and you know, even in the last few shows we did, um, you know. At the end of 2015, we were down to playing three, four Lizzie songs, and I think that'll be down to one or two on the next run. Because, like you said, we've got over 30 BSR songs to choose from now. Yeah, I'd say the, I'd say this stuff is going to sound absolutely killer live. I hope so. I think so. Yeah, we were starting, you know, we're starting rehearsals in a few weeks, a couple of weeks time, um, for the first time. I'm looking forward to playing them. Can't wait to get stuck into them. Yeah. So. Like I got, I just got one more question, and I'm gonna go way sure, back. No yeah, I'm gonna go way back here, Ricky. Um, 1990, <laughs> 1990, Megadeth yep. Rust in Peace tour. Um, the gig in the yep. Point Theatre in Dublin. Yeah, uh, I was, yep, I, I was, well. I was at it, and it was Megadeth, The Almighty, and Alice in Chains. Alice, that's right. Yeah. And the significance of that gig for Mustaine, of course, was what what he did in '88 in in Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> did, did 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 you recognise on the night how significant that gig was? And have you ever talked no, to Dave Mustaine I, I, afterwards? I, I, no, I I don't wind up mercifully about it. You know, I I, I you know I, I wind up because he was you know I love Dave and Dave and I go on great and we're great friends. But he he was you know well you know I'm coming back and you know I'm you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm conquering my fears and playing hard. I'm like yeah, but you're not playing we're not playing Belfast, Dave. I said that's where it went down, but what the significance was it was actually 1991, and it was the uh-huh. it was the anniversary of the what would that have been the 70th anniversary of the East Uprising, 21, 91. It would have been, yeah. Okay. So it was 70, 70th anniversary of the Easter Uprising, and I said, yeah, I said, you know, Davis, the anniversary of the Easter Uprising. Well, what's that about? And I explained to him, and you know, I said, you know, you need to do it, and he, he was. He was winding him up like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> and he was getting really worried. And I kind of just said, ah, you'll be fine. He said, you know, nobody, you know, they said, everybody loves the music. I said, you, you know, you, you learned that the hard way. You know, people, when they come to a show, they don't want, you know, to know what religion a guy standing beside them is or anything like that. You know, that's the last thing they want to hear. So, but Dave's great. And he's, you know, Dave's a, a very um, well-educated guy. Um, with, with a great, you know, a great love of history and a great love of politics, and, and um, you know, he certainly did his homework and, and read up, and you know, uh, I think he, he certainly made amends for you know what he did a couple of years earlier in Antrim. You know, yeah, it was an incredible gig. We, I, I had we interviewed Dave, I, we interviewed David Ellison, and uh, yeah, I, Dave, I, he's a nice guy too. Yeah, Dave. I, I asked him about the gig, and like, of course, Ellison, yeah. like. Yeah, it probably never gets asked about it. And he said they flew in sure. just before the gig, and the minute the gig was over, they yeah. got straight into the car, back to the airport, and flew out. 
Yep. No, no, they get straight out of there. Like we, we had them wind up, you know, I mean, and, you know, I'm, you know, a couple of guys like Stumpy, the drummer, the almighty was, you know, big, big, you know, West of Scotland maniac, you know, Glaswegian guy, you know, yeah. and he was ribbing him about it. And we, <laughs> with them all, with them all wind up, you know? Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. So speaking of the almighty, Ricky, do you ever think you'll do anything with them again? Or is that, a, is that finished? Um, I don't think so. I think, I think it just feels like, it feels like it's finished. It feels, it feels like it's done. You know, we got back together for a couple of shows in 2008 and I enjoyed them, but it wasn't, it wasn't amazing. You know, it wasn't, oh, this, this is what I've been missing in my life. Um, you know, I think that's a period of time where I think I've, I'm trying not the same person I was back then. I think I've changed quite a lot. Um, you know, in, in, in every way, great times, great memories. Um, you know, it's just, you know, we, we were angry and, I, you know, I don't think I'm as angry in the same way as I was back then. I, do, I don't think everybody's really happy and you know, all the guys are doing stuff. They've all got fulfillment and contentment in their lives. Nobody, thank God, is really hurting for money, you know, um, and there's just no desire there to do it. There's nobody phoning up going, hey, you know, let's get the band back. And we've had some great offers to, to to go out and do some shows and, and to be honest with you but it's just not the desire there and, and I think we're all old enough and silly enough to realise that just leave it be then you know yeah so of course the album's out more or less now so it's called Heavy yep. Heavy Fire it is excellent it's probably going to be in one of one of my top albums of the year I can't I can't get I can't get enough of Ricky honestly I think it's one it's easily our best record uh, I think Appreciate that, I really do. Yeah. Thank so, you. so where where can people get you on the web? You, you give out all the on links. the web, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all the usual places. We've got quite a, a full on presence there. Um, you know, Ricky Ward, Blackstar Riders, um, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, as you, you just just type it in, and you'll find it where we're at. All right, thanks, Ricky. I'll uh, I leave I leave you get back no to whatever you're doing. So it's it's been a no pleasure. Problem, buddy, get the, it's been kids a, from school, school so yeah, doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pl- it's been a pleasure talking to you, and best of luck on the album. And if you ever get over here, stateside, and uh, for a show, I'll hopefully get backstage and shake your hand, and say hi. Definitely, man. It'll be great to meet you. And listen, thanks for your taking the time to talk to me. And you know, it's always good to talk to fellow Irishman as well. So thanks very much. Yeah, no problem, Ricky. Have a good rest of the night. All right, buddy. All right, you no problem. Too, you too. Take care. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right. Good, uh, good interview with Ricky there, and uh, I think that was uh, pretty timely as well. I kind of I miss not talking to Jimmy this time around, but uh, yeah, I mean, you did a great job with Ricky. I can probably try and get Jimmy. I don't know. <laughs> he's actually, he's, uh, I don't know when this is airing, but um, he's playing drums at Rat on the 11th, yeah. and it's actually the real Rat now because Blotzer's, um, Blotzer tried to, f- to foil, yeah. and it got turned down by the judge, so he's out. Ah. Well, he's he's by everyone's popular opinion, he's out. So I don't know if he's going to do a Tom Brady, and he can go higher up and higher up and higher up. But it looks like it's it's the Piercy Demartini Crucier lineup huh. going forward as Rat, and Bobby can go out now as Bobby Flotzer's Motley Crew or or Bobby <laughs> Flotzer's Arcade or whoever he wants to go out as. But that that chapter is done, and um, that's one band. Did you see Rat back in the day? Yeah, I can't remember where it was. Might have been the DCU Center, which at that time was I the would center. have fucking loved it. All these '80s bands, they never came over. I would have loved to see him back in the '80s. But you know, hopefully, Stevens sounds good. His new solo album's killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but that—that's the rat deal. Yeah, done and dusted. All right. Well, uh, speaking of done and dusted, that's it for this week. Uh, Again, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, chat with Ricky, and if, obviously go out, and if you haven't already done so, get the Black Star Riders Heavy Fire release. Uh, it's available pretty much damn everywhere. So in the meantime, you can always keep up with us at focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com, on Facebook, on Twitter. You know the drill. But uh, for now, for myself and Richie, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on Metal! is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.